Welcome back for another episode of the AWG Podcast, where we discuss the biggest topics and trends in the water sport and boat tour industry. Make sure to subscribe to the show on your favorite podcast platform and join our mailing list by visiting watersportpodcast.com. After you finish listening, continue the conversation in our Facebook group, Water Sport and Boat Tour Operators. Thanks for listening and enjoy the show. They come to relax. Enjoy the beach. Have fun and spend money. And that's where we come in. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. Find out tips on the best ways to market and operate a water sports business. If you're a water sports operator, you need to grow your brand, operate more safely, upgrade your operations, and of course, increase bookings. We're industry veterans broadcasting from Destin, Florida. This is the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. And this is Kevin O'Neill and Greg Fisher. Hey, everyone, and welcome to episode 33 of the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. Today, we'll be interviewing the one and only Douglas Quimby, CEO and co-founder of Arrival. We just finished up this interview, and it was probably our longest interview, but man, we had some good laughs towards the end there. (laughs) So you got to, if you're listening, it's a little longer, stay for the end or else you're missing out. But more importantly, if you don't know Douglas, he is a huge champion for our industry and Arrival has built an amazing community for us to share ideas, network, and grow our businesses. During the interview, we dive into the state of the industry, including some predictions. We also hear what's next for the Arrival Conference as we hopefully get back to in-person conferences. Yeah, absolutely. That's where all the gold, that's where all the gold came that Douglas Quinby is a rap aficionado. Every, every time I see like a picture of him, I'm like, man, that guy gets down with some hardcore gangster shit. That's my (laughs) first thought. (laughs) And I'd see him. (laughs) Uh, Super smart guy, man. Like we have these guests where it's just like you I don't want to say anything. I don't want to jump in there. And like it, it, I think it happened like a few episodes ago where I would just sat there for 15 minutes, like dead quiet. And and honestly, Douglas is one of those guys where you could just let him riff for 45 minutes, hour, and it's just it's going to be a, a master class on I mean, on tours and activities in the whole sector and what what he and, and, and his partners at Arrival are doing. I think it just it's necessary and it's obvious. And it's one of those things where you're like, why would, why didn't somebody do this so long ago? Why hasn't this? Yeah. There's, I mean, there's like, there's conferences for the most boring benign bullshit ever. And yet there's no, there's no space for us to all get together and talk about super fun, passionate shit. Well, tours and activities is just a cottage industry. It's just a lot of mom and pops, somewhat organized, fragmented, and and Douglas and his team kind of brought this, galvanized this industry, or uh, you know they they were the early adopters into form, you know, galvanizing it all together, taking all the different segments, and just to see it grow is is awesome. It re- really sucks that COVID slowed things down. I absolutely love the conferences. Hope that the the voice of our podcast brings people together and brings people to events like this, so we can further grow our industry. Because sharing those ideas, like we do on the podcast with guests, that's that's the real gold. Yeah, man, I'll, I can tell you that. Like when anybody that listens to this and has an idea of like my type of personality, you probably think like, oh man. Kevin really loves like mosh pits and 
you know, fucking whatever wild shit. I had a lot of fun at that conference, man. And we're not just so we're, you know, like we always say, we don't know paid sponsorships. There's no kickbacks. Anybody that's on our show is, is on our show because we like their message. We like what they're doing. Greg and I do this for fun. And we say it at the end. I'm going to say it at the beginning. Guys, if you are listening to this show, we don't, as I said, we don't take anything for this. We have no sponsorships. Rival is not a sponsor. We just really love their we love their product. We love what they do. We think Douglas is a great guy. We just ask that you guys reach out to people in the industry. If you have friends, they're not even in water sports. They're trying to get a business going. They're in a different type of tour activity, or they just want to leg up and learning new things, how they can apply it. Because I think a lot of our messages can be applied to any businesses. We ask that you tell them about us, share us, share our podcast, invite them to the group. And that's the only thing that we ask that you guys do when it comes to this show. So without any further ado, we got Douglas Quimby. So uh, what do you say, Greg? You ready to get awkward? Yeah, let's do it. Let's go. All right, guys, we're here with Douglas Quimby, CEO and co-founder of Arrival. Douglas, welcome to the show. Hey guys, thanks so much for having me. So Douglas, I um, did a little PI work. You've been a research analyst, travel research analyst since about 1998. Is that about right? Uh, I started as a journalist actually covering travel. So I worked for a, a travel industry publication called Leisure Travel News. This is, yeah, this is wow, you really did, uh, you did some homework. Yeah, it's going back quite some time. And then yeah, worked in the industry and uh, worked for some software companies as a marketing exec, actually selling software to tour operators and other travel companies. And then worked for a company called Focusrite for about 12, 10, 12 years, yeah, doing uh, research and running their conferences and yeah, other things like that. That's I, I found out that you work for Focus, right? Like out of dumb luck, man. Like I'm not sure how your name got ended up getting attached to it, but uh, Greg will find the comedy in this. Is like I went to go speak at a um a city council meeting, and I and I was like looking on census numbers and like how water sports was growing. I was like trying to present this case about what water sports was doing for our community. And uh, I was like looking for like the travel, the tour, the activities. And I was like trying to find any type of There's nothing. Uh, research. Good luck. There's, yeah. There's, but I did. Nothing. I stumbled across a study from oh, Focus, really? right? Yeah. And then somehow I'm, like your name was attached to it. And then I was like, I was like, wait a minute. Why do I know that name? It's not on water sports. It wasn't water sports. I had to like zoom out. I had to but go was, like yeah. tours yeah. and activities yeah. and, you know, what we bring to. Yeah. The marketplace, and then I was like, "Oh, why do I know that name?" I was like, "Oh, it's it's the arrival guy." Yeah. So, <laughs> so actually, the whole thing about arrival, you know, and actually meeting you guys and meeting Greg, in some ways, it really it starts back in let's see two thousand and yeah, so the end of two thousand and eight, two thousand and nine. You know, by that time, I think the iPhone had been out for maybe what two years. I think that was the first iPhone was launched in 2007. And even though at the time, like the original device was, well, if you guys, if you still, if you have your original iPhone from, you know, from 14 years ago. I do. <laughs> remember, remember like how thick it was and how limited it was and, you know, compared Couldn't to what pictures. devices are like today, right? Yeah. But even, even then, you know, you could, you could see you could see a future, right? Like you could see, you could see how transformative this device 
could be in so many ways for business and so many other things. I mean, that's goes without saying now, right? So, and then when I, you know, when I saw this and we, and we had a few companies at Focusrite, like our clients who were in the tours and activities arena, like Viator, and there was a company called Smart Destinations. They do the multi-attraction passes later, it was acquired by Leisure Pass. But like one of the things I knew was for, for your world, for, for in-destination activities, vast majority of travelers, they really just make the decision in destination. It's like, it's very much a last minute purchase decision. And it was pretty clear like that device could be pretty transformative in this sector. Whereas where people just weren't booking this stuff on desktop, like they were for flights and hotels. So anyway, I saw this, I was like, when I just had this, I don't know, idea in 2008 or 2009 that we at Focusrite, we've got to do a big study on this. We have to size the market. We have to look at the impact of mobile because it's going to totally upend, you know, this market. And yeah, and that's how I got kind of started in this whole sector of tours and activities and attractions. That's that's insane, man. Because there's guys that are 2000, like 2021, that are like that are like, man, this iPhone's really going to change the face of my business. When <laughs> you talk to some water sport operators, you're like. <laughs> Jesus Christ, man. Come on. What are you doing? Well, I got this yard sign. <laughs> well, you know, I still see those, by the way. I just like, yeah, it was, wasn't too long ago. Like I'm driving because I live in Atlanta. So I was and I have in-laws who are in Melbourne, Florida. And I remember driving down and you do you go down. What is it like? It's is it 85, like from Atlanta straight down to Orlando. And once you cross, you know, once you cross the border into Florida, suddenly you start seeing the big signs, you know, the big um signs along the highway for, you know, whatever this, you know, this water sport tour, this, you know, swamp tour, this or that. Yeah. So it's all there. I want to take a step back and uh, we, we talked real briefly about Arrival in the beginning here, but I want you to expound on Arrival a little bit because that's the reason why we know each other. I think it's a phenomenal organization. I've been recruiting people for two years to be involved in it. And I just want you to give our listeners just a little background, how you started it, where it is today and, and the future of it. Uh, yeah, well, first of all, you know, Greg, thank you so much. It really, uh, it's meant a lot to me and to the whole team because that was definitely in building Arrival was very much a labor of love. So really appreciate the support from friends in the industry like you. So actually, look, it was really the the impetus for it was really was really simple. So I, while I was at Focusrite and my as a role as a, you know, as an analyst and also running the conference there and for your listeners who may not know, so Focusrite is this travel industry research firm, really the preeminent firm in, in travel and tourism covering online travel, innovation, you know, distribution, like where the industry's headed. And every year that at the conference, they would get, you know, the CEOs of Expedia and Booking.com and, uh, you know, the big hotel companies all get all the leading, you know, technology companies would come together and uh, really would define the the whole conversation about the future of travel and tourism. <clears throat> and, uh, and as, you know, and actually, I, you know, as an outcome of that study that we had done in 2009 and then in 2010, it you know it occurred to me as I was spending more time in tours and activities and attractions, I noticed you know that like there's you know there's a million conferences for hotel operators, there's a million conferences for airlines, there's media travel industry media 
research firms. Like basically, if you work in the airline industry, if you work in the hotel industry or the cruise industry or even car rental, you know everything about the industry. There's so many resources. There's so much great information. But then when it came to tours, activities and attractions, there really was you know, nothing. I mean, there was I, there there are some trade organizations that are great, like IAPA serving the attractions world. And there's some outdoor adventure associations that are really you know, hyper focused on serving like river rafters and you know, outfitters. But in terms of bringing this whole sector together and having a place where, you know, bike tour operators all over the country can meet or they can connect with food tour operators. They can learn from each other. They can connect with water sports, you know, operators. It was just nothing, you know, for them. And I even remember, uh, I'm not going to, so I won't mention conferences, but one of my shticks, right? One of the things like I had to do as an analyst, as a, I guess a talking head, right? Is a way you could have called me for uh, when I was at Focus Ride is I'd go to conferences and and give you know talks on various things. And I noticed that whenever I was asked to go give a talk on the tours and activities sector, you know, I, I would go and serve this smaller subset or audience at this conference. And we'd be sent to like the, you know, the small windowless conference room at the end of the hallway, kind of like an afterthought. And, you know, this whole thing just occurred to me. At so, it was like 2016 as the sector was growing and we could see all these things happening. And it just I realized, like, why do people travel? Like, do people travel to sit in a long cylindrical tube for three hours and be in a really uncomfortable seat? Like, do people travel to go, you know, stay in, sit in some hotel room that looks like 400 other hotel rooms in the same, you know, in the same building? No. I mean, they go, why do they go? Uh, they want to go scuba diving. They want to go fishing. They want to, uh, they want to go climb to the top of the Eiffel Tower, then come down and get a coffee and buy a beret, right? Like, they, like that's why we travel, right? We want to experience things in destination. And that whole sector is a total afterthought to the rest of the industry. And, there was just nothing for this community. And so we just felt just, it just seemed obvious, you know, it just seemed obvious to do it. So we put a couple of dollars together. I got a couple of close friends and colleagues in the industry. We got together and, you know, put up a website, <laughs> started talking to people and, and, you know, amazingly people uh, came to our first conference in 2017 and it, yeah, kind of all went from there. Looking at it where it is now, uh, Arrival has gone virtual for good reason. And I've been to a lot of the virtual events have spoken and um, moderated some of the workshops. How has that worked out? And what do you see for 2021? So I'll say, you know, to be perfectly honest, I've got, you know, really mixed, you know, mixed feelings about it, just on a, you know, on a personal level. Uh, the virtual piece has been successful and important in the sense that the industry, like we see people want to get together, they want to connect, especially during this time. And, uh, and I mean, look, during this time, it's been just our mission to help as many operators as possible. And, and, you know, so many of them have struggled in such a, you know, in such a way that, and I know that, you know, the water sports sector, I think, especially in, you know, like in the in the Florida market, in, you know, in the Gulf Coast, and has actually done, you know, pretty well during this time, as I understand it, you know, conversations, you know, with you guys, uh, which is, you know, it's been one of the few really bright spots. But, you know, we also have a lot of people in our community that are, you know, they're running, you know, bus tours or museum tours in New York, or, you know, if you run food tours in Rome for inbound, you know, English speaking, you know, Brits and Americans, you know, you haven't had a booking for a year. 
you know, or 15 months. And um, so for us, the most important thing, one is, you know, is to be a resource just to help our community through this really challenging time. And we've, you know, we've charged a nominal amount for the virtual events, but we've also basically offered scholarships. So anyone who was really struggling could apply and we basically let anyone who wanted to, uh, to participate for free. Uh, and I, I think it's been, it's been good. And actually, in some respects, our margins are a little bit better because our costs are, <laughs> are so much lower. So, yeah. so the, the bottom line is actually a little bit better, although the, you know, the top line is still you know, nothing compared to what it is in an in-person event. You know, I think the, the whole mission of having a conference is to bring people together. And I think what's really so critical to, you know, to building an industry and building a community is you can, it's not just where you're going to a session or a workshop, like you can go to a, an amazing workshop and get all this great insight and feel really energized. But the real magic, the energy is when you're in the workshop and, you know, maybe there's 30 other operators. They could be different or similar, but then somebody else in that workshop stands up and they ask a question that you realize you've been you've had in your own mind for several years. And then that person asked it and it like automatically forges a connection. And then you go down and you 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 go up to that person, you introduce yourself, you start having a conversation with that operator. Then you guys go to the bar or you go to a party later and you start chatting about it. I mean, that's where, you know, the magic of you know bringing the industry together is really so, uh, so powerful. So, uh, yeah, so the, the virtual has been good. But boy, at the same time, I miss, you know, miss seeing everybody, as I'm sure, uh, you know, we all do in some respects. Uh, but we're really optimistic that uh, we'll be holding our first in-person event now in two years in Orlando this fall uh, in October. That was I'm assuming that that was by design, right? Like you guys chose Orlando again because you're like DeSantis is like going to let us is going to be the like the most open guy to like kind of let us do our thing. I'm assuming because Florida's, I mean, we're not, we haven't been super, you know, as far as like shutting things down, I'm assuming that that had to be a. So actually we, so with events, we, we contract out several years in advance. So we already had Florida okay. uh, and our strategy has been to go East coast, West coast, every, alternating every year so that we, you know, so we can be more accessible to, you know, our friends in on the West coast and Hawaii and Alaska, you know, and then a bit more accessible to everybody on the East Coast. I mean, having said that, you know, it's, you know, we're, we're glad that, you know, there's a possibility for, for us to have the event in, in, uh, in Florida. And, and, but at the same time, you know, one of the things we're really working through very carefully is, you know, how do we, you know, how do we create, you know, a great experience, but also be mindful of, you know, health and safety issues. And, and I know there's a lot of different opinions about this uh, and people can be somewhat, you know, split. So, you know, on the one hand, we want to create an environment where everyone can get together and connect and have that, you know, that magic back at the same time, you know, when if we have attendees who are going to, might be concerned, we want to make sure we've got, we have the possibility in place. So for those that, you know, want to make sure they can maintain, you know, social distancing or do other things that we create that as well. So I think Greg might know the answer to this because I'm surprised I don't know the answer to this, but Greg, have they pulled, I've just been seeing stuff online. Have you heard about, about pulling the mask mandate from Disney World? I've been seeing a ton of maskless faces at Disney World on Instagram and Facebook. I don't think they did. People are just so. bucking the system. <laughs> They're probably bucking the system, which 
I don't know, in an attraction. We won't go there right now, not in this show. <laughs> no, I, I know. It's, I, I mean, I have no dog in that fight one way or another. I'm just wondering, I was just wondering if you've seen anything. I've not heard anything about that. But uh, so, Douglas, let, let's jump into some of the, uh, having you on this show is, is awesome because you have a better overview of probably what, some of us have because we're, you know, we're working every day. We're in our, you know, kind of in our bubble. And I think you have a more deeper insight to kind of what is happening. Specifically, we can start with just the U.S. It's more for most of our listeners here. But can you give us like some of a, a, a quick synopsis of what is happening in the U.S. when it comes to travel? I don't know. How long is this podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's honestly, it's like, I think it's really tough right now because it's so localized, you know, it's so it's so different uh, from market to market. Um, although I think, look, I mean, overall, the the outlook for the U.S. market is really, really strong. I think in the last year, year and 15 months, it's never a year and three months. It's never been um, uh, it's never been, you know, more positive. Uh, there's actually really strong indicators, even in markets like intense urban markets that have really struggled during the pandemic, like in New York, where hotel occupancy is been steadily uh, climbing. There's expectation that Broadway is going to you know, reopen later this year. So uh, there's, I think overall, it's, I think it's, you know, it's really positive. And then there are some markets that are, you know, doing, uh, you know, doing really well, right? As you guys know, in your markets in Florida, I just took our family to uh, Savannah a couple of weeks ago. And, you know, it was really interesting to see, like we couldn't, on this weekend, we couldn't get into, now it was spring break, a week, but you know, we couldn't get into a bunch of restaurants. We couldn't get reservations for. We did a food tour with uh, Stu Cards uh, Company, uh, Savannah Taste Experience, which was fantastic. And you know, he's been selling out at reduced capacity, but he's he said he's you know selling out, and and actually he needs to you know hire guides. And he says a lot of restaurants are struggling to you know hire people, uh, wait staff, and kitchen. So. There's some markets that are doing, you know, really well, but I, I think overall, I'm, I'm really optimistic about the outlook for, uh, for the domestic market for, for travel. I think for the outdoor market, for water sports, for adventure operators, especially out west, I, I'm, uh, it's, I think it's really good. And the other piece to it too, which you know, I'm, I, um, is an unexpected development that I think, you know, if we think back like a year ago when all of the, I don't know, is this, is this a family friendly podcast or am I allowed to swear on this? Okay. No. You can yeah, swear. swear. Fucking please. Thank <laughs> God. Okay. So, so look, I mean, let's, I mean, like a year, yeah. So like a year ago or so when the shit was really hitting the fan, I think, and, you know, the, the stock market took a really steep, you know, dive when kind of everyone panicked for a bit. And, uh, and there was, you know, widespread layoffs in a lot of industries, but especially in travel and tourism and, you know, the services industry and, you know, hospitality and restaurants and so forth. And there was a real concern, I think, not only about um, the pandemic, but also about the economic impact, you know, the, the financial fallout on just individuals' pocketbooks. But actually, uh, there's been some really interesting, there's one article, we actually wrote, I wrote a summary article about this. There was a really good analysis of, of kind of personal financial fortunes that the New York Times did maybe maybe two months ago or so. And we have an article on it uh, in at arrival.travelr, where we also, we write about kind of trends in the industry, where it basically shows that, look, if you're, and I don't mean to minimize in any way, like a lot of people have been, you know, their personal financial fortunes have, you know, they've been 
you know, severely impacted. But among those people, I'd say kind of middle upper income who have either found a new job or didn't lose their job, they've actually done, you know, very well. Uh, because they haven't been able to travel as much and we haven't been able to go out and do as much, personal savings rate has gone through the roof. We all know what's been going on with the stock market. So, and those people, so middle and upper income folks, they represent an outsized portion of our customers, right? And like your your customers, right? Those are the people who are who are traveling. They're the ones who are doing lots of activities. And so there's there's not only pent up demand, but there's also... <laughs> They have a shitload of money, right? There's money to spend, right? And so I think that's, to me, that's an indicator of, you know, a really positive outlook for the summer season for the U.S. domestic market. And also, I think it's a really positive, uh, you know, forward-looking indicator for pricing too, right? Like, I think I think uh, the operator community should feel you know, you know, comfortable and, you know, going for it. Yeah. I'd like to echo what you said, Douglas, our average ticket on TripShock is up 60% from 2019. Hmm. And I mean, Kevin can probably echo too, that he's seeing average orders that are beyond oh, man, the numbers. I'm, I'm yeah. broke, man. I don't want the IRS <laughs> tuning in. <laughs> it's, it's crazy. I mean, it's crazy. And it, just anecdotally, Everybody we talk to, uh, going on vacation myself and talking to people in, in Georgia, uh, anything that's outdoor related. And it was like when this whole thing was going on and we talked to you guys on arrival, it was like, it was like oh, what's, what's your magic? And I just wanted to go like you know, we're lucky. Thanks. Bye. Like, that's the, you know, I mean, we just, water sports is almost like recession proof. Sometimes it feels like 2008, they crushed it. Uh, 2009 during the Gulf oil spill company still crushed it. Florida was still doing great. And it, it just, I, I think like it's, it, I think it's been in the Gulf coast. I mean, I, cause there were certain, like certain beaches, they were just, they were closed. I mean, just closed for months. Are you really? The companies I'm, were getting, were getting payouts from BP, like, Ah, okay. To the tunes of millions of dollars. So Greg could probably speak to the actual business, what they were doing here during that. Well, time. it was during the OSPO. Yes, it was slow for six to eight months. Once it got cleaned up, it came back quickly. Hmm. But you think about Florida, and like Kevin said, being recession proof in some of these Gulf states. I believe that because when, let's say, the economy starts to falter or we go into a recession, well, those budget travelers they're not coming here but the middle to high income travelers are they're not just they're not going to their european vacations they're looking for more budget friendly destinations god forbid they're not going to miss out on their beach vacation or a vacation in general. 2008, I worked at a hotel and it was just booming in Destin, Florida. It was booming. You think that with wealth being diminished as greatly as it was, that we wouldn't see the numbers and we did. Being in a budget-friendly destination helps you when things are doing great and it helps you when things are doing bad because there's always going to be someone that wants to come. So, so that that really, man, that's perfect. That's like a great organic segue into a question that I had for you, Douglas. So I this is it's kind of like a it's like a it's like a double ended and like I, I had a few questions that I had down but they all sound like they kind of like all feed into one another and I guess the general the general theme of that is is like so as we kind of like joked around before we started recording it's like well or maybe we were recording I'm not sure but you put a yard sign in like these guys are just they're we're crushing it you know what I mean you have a worldwide pandemic and my numbers were down in April by like 15 percent and then doubled in May when all these other businesses were closing. It's a real easy to product to sell, right? 
at the end of the day, when you retire, what do you think about? You think about sitting on a beach somewhere and having a cerveza. I mean, that's what we sell. This is what we sell for a living. So it's not that hard of a, of a product to push, right? But if you want to scale and if you want to grow and you want to grow your company and you may maybe have more aspirations than just like say one location, how do you, how do you, I love the event. I think it's great, but how do you pitch a rival to somebody because a lot of it's, it's, you know, research-based and uh, technology and marketing to someone's like, man, I've just been pushing these, you know, rat cars in a hotel for <laughs> the last 30 years, man. And I done $10 million a year. Fuck you, man. I don't need fancy websites. Like, which is, I mean, it's a fucking legitimate <laughs> response. You know what I mean? So how do, how do you, how do you pitch that? Well, you know, I asked you that same question. I think when we had you guys, you know, on a webinar, you know, an event last summer to, you know, really talk about, you know, what's happening in the water sports uh, sector. And I kind of, and I, I mean, Greg, we've had this discussion where, you know, it's like, how do we, how do we get the community together? Right? Like what's, What's the motive? Like why, you know, things are going so well. And, you know, especially during a time like this when, you know, the people can't like we're we're not going to Paris, you know, we're not going to Italy, we're not, you know, not even uh, you know, going to even some big, you know, urban markets yet, but you've got a you've got a product that's outdoors, it's kind of naturally socially distanced, you have all of these, you know, kind of benefits, you know, I'd say, you know, then why? So I think and so I, I would actually put that question back to you guys a little bit like but I'll, I say there's a few like, first of all, there's a few things. Right. And I get this, too. And this is it's in I think it's in water sports, but I think it's also it's in a lot of other aspects of this. Like, you know, people who I mean, this is my learn. So I'm, I don't know. I'm going to so I'm going to tell. OK, look, this is what I, I just always want to be mindful of this. Right. Like, so I'm the to- like a talking head industry analyst. I've been like studying travel and tourism in this sector, you know, and for, you know, for years now. And um, so I'm going to give you my, and I, we've done, I've actually done research on this very particular topic, but basically, but I also want to be mindful. Like it's, I also feel like it's kind of weird when I'm like telling people about themselves (laughs) based on their research. So I, I don't know, like, so I just want to, I want to acknowledge like some (laughs) self-awareness of of how it might sound. Have you you listened to any of our episodes and the stuff that Kevin says? I mean, you're good. (laughs) Yeah, seriously, man. I don't sugarcoat anything, man. I'm so happy to be on these type of calls, but I'm just like, oh, fuck it. (laughs) I got one shot, man. All right. Well, I, I so I'm so I I will definitely contribute the awkward part then of this. Okay. uh, Perfect. Perfect. All right. So. Uh, but I like I totally get that most of the people who are who get into this business, they're not getting into the business to build an empire. Like, you know, when I'm you know, when I'm out last summer, you know, did a like a hiking experience, an amazing hiking experience with this, this guy who runs his own small company. And, you know, they I think he built the website in 2004, hasn't updated it since. And you have to call and you know, all of this, he doesn't want to build websites. He doesn't want to update his Google My Business listing. He doesn't want to, you know, try to figure out which reservation system to use and what APIs and all of that. He wants to be out on the mountain. He wants to be taking people up. He wants to be, you know, they want to be out in the water. He want to be guiding people on on kayaks or, you know, whatever, you know, whatever it is. And I, so I, I totally... I totally get that. Uh, and I think that's, and that's one of the, that's one of the most, 
inspiring and for me personally motivating things about this whole industry because you know people are not i mean this is fundamentally a passion led industry i mean this is you're in this because you love this industry and because it's what you want to do and you love doing it you're, there's a reason why like none of these people were not working for morgan stanley or you know we're not trying to get a job at a bank somewhere on on wall street like it's 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 about passion, which is exciting. And it's also why, like, the, the people that you meet at our conference, <laughs> like, it's just, you know, it's just because we're all in it together, right? And we're all, like, it's, we love this. I mean, everyone does. I And I sense it, you know, it's so it's, it's, um, it's fantastic. Uh, at the same time, we're all running businesses, all of us. We all have stuff in our business that we know could be better. Uh, and we probably all have some stuff in our business that, frankly, it's been pissing us off for a while. Or it's just we know it could be better or it's a little bit too manual or it's crappy or whatever. And we may or we have issues and we're not sure how to solve them. There's always there's always an opportunity to make things a little bit more efficient, to make things, you know, to make your your guests a little bit happier. To in, There's always an opportunity to create, you know, a new product. I mean, especially during this environment, for example, I don't know if you guys have done this. I thought I saw something on this, like ancillary revenue, like people have money, like, I mean, upsells. And I mean, if you're, I don't know, you know, Kevin, are you, are, are you offering a, like a strawberry and champagne, you know, upsell on a, you know, private man, tour? I, I make shit up, man. Okay. Like I like secret <laughs> handshake for five bucks, man. Okay. <laughs> like I just, I, a week, we, no, we actually did an episode on the whole upsell thing. Yeah. I mean, we do nothing like, I mean, we're pretty commodity based and, and like me and Greg were talking before the show. And um, I think something, I think something that, you know, we never allow, first of all, to anybody to pitch their products on our show ever. Anytime someone gets pitchy, I'm like, stop, just stop. If Greg added them out. Arrival, I will do it for you because I think it's a great event. I honestly believe that just because water sports guys, and I, I think this is, I, I I feel like I don't know if you would necessarily call it a disruption. I I feel like arrival is is, is um as an obvious uh, like you said earlier, it was just this like you know the light bulb went off your head, but it's like it's really obvious. Yes, why there's fucking plumbing conferences for God's sakes. You know what I mean? Let's go talk about PVC. Like that sounds awful. Like you know what I mean? So I think that this is. This is something that we, your guys are on the beginning of something, on the cusp of something wonderful, first of all. And and I honestly believe that, you know, Greg is, is obviously, uh, and the people that are coming to your events are early adopters. I'd like to include myself into that because I came there and I thought it was awesome. I was 100% like by myself. I didn't know anybody and I felt super awkward. It was really weird for the, the Florida boat guy. You know what I mean? I, I did actually run into some of my friends from Key West. So that was pretty cool. I think we're just sort of like in the, in the, in the, the we're adopting this as, as a, just a new thing. And so it's super fresh. And I know that arrival and that event was what, and watching Shane do his show, I was just like in awe of the whole thing. I was like, man, like, why didn't I think of this? This is just makes sense. So I think to that point, that's part of what me and Greg are doing. I know me and Greg have been super pumped to have you on the show. And I think it was because, and, and we didn't speak about this, but I think it was probably pretty like doing the, doing the online stuff, Greg doing the moderation, us both being advocates for the industry. I really think it inspired us to do this show. So when and to keep going with the show because we have had great feedback on it, and so I think we're excited to have the show so we could circle back, see a rival come back from 
from COVID and then say like, Hey guys, if you haven't been here, like, I don't think Greg, tell me if I'm wrong. Like awkward water sports podcast doesn't happen without us going to arrival. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. We got to be there. Yeah. And and Kevin, uh, you know, the, and going back to why are companies maybe hesitant to take the next step into their education or to, like Douglas said, there's a lot of people who do this as a lifestyle business doing water sports. I mean, how many times have someone signed up and they are already retired? Like we have people that sign up for trip shock and they are, they did their 20 years and now they bought a boat and now they're running tours. We have a lot of that. I, I don't want to step on your toes, but I'm telling you, man, every single person in our, and like, at least that I know again, anecdotally guys that own, I mean, we did a, so we did a study about a year and a half, a year and a half ago, and we surveyed more than 7,000 operators around the world. And effectively, we asked a question around kind of like their ambitions for growth. And effectively, 86% are, is, is this is a lifestyle business. Yeah. We were, but you said, you said you're missing some evidence on water sports people, right? Uh, we had, a, we had some, I, I didn't cut that out specifically for water sports, but, um, but I mean, I, I'm just talking about the industry overall, right? All, you know, all tours. And activities. I feel like the other, that 14% that want to take over the world is water sports. Like every, I don't know. And every mom and pop shop I know they're, they're doing whatever they can to put money back in their business to constantly right. grow. I don't know one company in Destin that's like, so me, me and Greg have talked about this too. So when you have, when you have tours and you have somebody like, I think a tour, and again, so this, this brings me into another question. So this is perfect. So I always ask the question when we're doing like commodities, right? When we're doing rentals, which I feel is a more commodity-based business than a tour because a tour is you're making a connection. You have a guide, you have someone there, you're spending time with them, you're delivering service and value with that guide. When you're running somebody a jet ski, you're just sort of like, there you go, buddy. And it's just like as many jet skis, asses you, you can put on those jet skis, get them out there. You know, even with the large catamarans, I feel like with the large catamarans with the sunset cruise, it's sort of like riding that line of like, here's a, you know, a bunch of information. It's more of like a a party type theme. So again, it sort of falls like maybe on the right on the bridge of commodity versus like a a tour. But so I think when you get in these commodity, big water sport companies, the reason that they want to these guys just want to grow and you, you see the money coming in and it's like, man, this is not a lifestyle for me. This is this is a grind, man. Like I go 24 seven and almost every operator I know in the field, unless they are a charter, if they are a charter captain, single boat, owner operator going out there, you know, doing even, even like fishing, like doing sport fishing and doing fishing guys, it is extremely hard to scale as like a large operation. Like, Oh, I've got 15 charter boats. Like, no, because no one can deliver on that customer service and that owner operator that like I've noticed it starting off going from one boat to what we have now. And people will call us up or be like, Oh, let me speak to Kevin. And our, my guys are like, no, Kevin can't take a call right now. And and there's that, that, that difference. I, I just, yeah, I, I hear you. And I, and I would imagine like, especially those bigger companies that you're, you know, you're connecting with. I can totally get that, especially where you're doing a lot of rentals and so forth. But I, you know, I just based on the the data that we've collected on, you know, on the market, there are a lot of really small companies, you know, a lot of, you know, just individual, you know, kind of boat owners who are doing, you know, who are doing tours, you know, here or there. So 
there's a lot of small small operators out there for whom it is really a lifestyle. I th- I, I think Douglas is is right, and and Kevin, you have like I said, you know, your uh, observation is anecdotal based on what you see in Destin, but you know, the 600 or so partners we have on TripShock, we have a lot of those single boat owners. And I'll tell you, they are not going to want to do really more than run a really good operation. And so aren't those the guys that need to be at arrival then? I think everybody, I think everybody should be at arrival, but at the same time, is it something that they want to invest their time, research, learning? Is it, is, are these the guys or girls and I want to be diverse here, but are these, these the type that they want to just run their business and that's it. They want to run their business, have a great time on the water. They don't need to be marketing experts. They don't need to know about APIs or res tech. I mean, the most they might do is get a reservation system. But you still need to, the thing is, you know, you still want to maintain, right? Like, so great example of, so there's one attendee. Um, I don't know. I don't think I want to mention him by name, but one, one operator that has come to arrival for a couple of years now, and he runs a pretty big operation in a, you know, a well-known destination in the U.S. And, and I remember meeting him for lunch one day and he's, you know, and he said at one point, I said, you know, look, you've got such a great business you know, have you thought about growing? Like you could definitely take this, you could scale it to other cities. You know, have you thought about maybe becoming part of a franchise and doing this? Or, uh, you know, I know of a couple of operators in this neighboring city that I would, would probably happily sell and you could really build this thing. And and he said, you know, I've got a really good, I've got a good business and I, I can go to my kids' baseball games. I'm home for dinner, you know, every night. And I, you know, but I come to arrival because I just want to make sure I'm keeping up. I want to make sure there's not something that could really disrupt things for me. Like I want to be engaged, but I, you know, I don't want to kind of, you know, stress out, you know, but, but then you have other folks like in, a lot of companies in this industry that have, you know, really big plans, right? Like, I don't know if you guys know, uh, you know, Stephen Otto, for example, yeah. uh, and his company walks, right? So Stephen, and he was, his company was just acquired by Hornblower. You guys must know, you know, Hornblower, they run you know, all the big city cruises in Chicago and New York and Boston and, they do Alcatraz in San Francisco, and they're now really expanding into land. And so, like at the same time, like there's uh, there's a lot happening within uh, this industry. There there are now, especially as travel is picking back up, there are I've known of a lot of investment firms that are trying to figure out, you know, what's the right you know play to kind of scale and build like a global brand. Because you know, think about this, you know, too within this industry, and you know, whether it's in water sports or walking tours, like there's not really like there's not not a, a brand, right? From, you know, from market to market or city to city. It's not like, like there's no, there's no Dunkin' Donuts of, of tours and activities, right? Like, is there a Starbucks of, of water sports? I mean, I don't. I'm working I, on I, it. Come back, <laughs> come back in five years, man. Well, but so that's it, right? Like there's, but, you know, there's, there are companies that are doing things like some of the, um, like there's the Paddle Tavern, you know, folks that are kind of building out towards, uh, you know, in different cities. There's, uh, you know, Urban Adventures that you know, has had locations, I think, in like more than 60 or 70. So yeah. there's a lot that's happening there. And I think within the next three to five years, we're going to see a very different, you know, marketplace because there is opportunity there. 
Yeah, I've actually started seeing uh, franchises in water sports just in the past four or five years, like get, get up and go kayaking, Justin Justin Buzzy out of yeah, Florida. And then you got Cruz yeah. and Tiki's. I, I forget Greg's last name, but uh, man, they are growing like crazy. The I mean, I think the last time I talked, they had 35 boats in production and they, they expected to grow 20 destinations in the next year. So you're really starting to see the water sport franchising come into play. But that, that brings me to my next question, Douglas. Um, I expected last year there to be a lot of mergers and acquisitions within our space, Red Stack, OTAs, and that just didn't happen. Is it just because maybe the money dried up or people kind of re or some of these VC firms recoiled, maybe they, the appetite for it, but I expected just a lot more consolidation and it didn't happen. Is that kind of put on hold? And we're going to see maybe more of it this year. Like, what do you what do you think? Uh, you know, in your crystal ball. Well, I so I, I think a couple of things. One is uh, I think th- there were a couple of companies that have kind of disappeared uh, for sure. Uh, there have been a, there have been a few failures, mostly some smaller companies. But uh, you know, I think nobody you know nobody wants to sell. You know when. <laughs> You know, when when you suddenly find yourself in a really deep, deep hole, <laughs> you don't want to sell, right? Like, I mean, like that's just, especially when you've built something that, you know, you're passionate about and, and you want to create something amazing and you know you can, right? So I think that's part of it. I think, uh, and I think a lot of companies really just, they kind of dug in and they figured out a way to see themselves, you know, through for the long haul. Uh, I also think in the investment community, uh, I mean, frankly, for distressed companies, you've got a good story to go to your investors, which is, look, I mean, we've, we've had a growing business for the last several years, big opportunity through no fault of our own. The market has you know, disappeared or become really distressed. Initially, I was kind of surprised too, Greg. I agree. I was expecting more consolidation, especially on kind of the tech and distribution side. But companies have um, have hung in there. And actually, a bunch of companies have raised money. We're just working on something now. We're about to release it. But I think it's almost half a billion dollars has been raised among, I think, about a dozen or so, maybe 15 startups. Or I don't know, do you call Get Your Guy to start up? Probably not no. anymore, right? I mean, they were founded more than 10 years ago, but uh, they just raised, like they raised, what was it, a hundred and something million. Uh, and then they added an additional credit facility, you know, of another hundred million. So, you know, I, I think uh, the next six months, though, will be really interesting because we're kind of coming at the tail end of this. And there are companies that are distressed and you got other companies that are well financed and might be smelling a little blood in the water. <laughs> so, you know, we'll see. But I don't know that that really has a big impact on the day to day for, you know, for a, you know, for a water sports uh, yeah. company. But, you know, but it's just kind of interesting to see how. I, land- I thought for sure that we like during COVID, because when it hit, it was like the worst possible time for us because it was like March. So I was like. Not that I'm a big fish at all, but I was like, man, there's got to be like some little smaller guy out there that's like, man, there's no way, you know, I'm like, I'm going to come to like, I came in with no money. I'm like, I'm going to be able to find something out there to buy. And then everybody was just like, you know, lighting their cigars with hundred dollar bills. So I was like, Jesus. Uh, and and I'm not, I'm not going to name specific uh, OTAs or rest tech companies, but I know the payment processors for many of these rest tech companies went, I don't, I don't know the perfect explanation to it. It went to shit. And I know operators were writing checks to their processors to pay refunds. And I, I expected that to snowball into something, you know, a consolidation or just because it's, it, it was just a massive, I and mean, we, we, and you know, luckily we were financed properly to deal with the onslaught of refunds. But I, I saw that as, as a signal. And I know like uh, one of the, Res tech companies 
uh, filed filed for bankruptcy. I think it was one in Europe. That, it was at Easy Ticks. They're yeah. actually based in Canada. Canada. Yeah. yeah so Easy yeah. Ticks had one of the refund. I know a couple, a handful of other um, ResTex had had major, um, you know, credit card processor issues with all the refunds. But I expected that to snowball into more, and it didn't. That was a tough period that I wasn't sure how many would get through. Like, and, and you know what? I can't Ooh. believe how many operators, even with all the issues that Easy Ticks had, so many operators stayed with them all the way till the end. And what that tells me is that changing reservation systems is a pain in the ass. And I know that <laughs> from our partners, you know, they might say, oh, I, I want a specific feature and they'll wait for it because they will not change. But there's been a lot of changing that's been taking place. Like operators, you know, especially ones that have really been negatively impacted during this time have used this time to really change things up. And, you know, just, I mean, we've been tracking like what's going on in the industry and what operators have been doing. We've been doing a quarterly tracking, you know, survey. And it's been amazing to see like, you know, three out of four are looking at changing reservation systems. They're kind of doing, you know, total audits of their, you know, their website, their SEO profile, their, you know, their Google listings. I mean, all of this stuff to really so that so that when things start coming back, that they're ready to sprint. I, you know, you have like two different, I mean, two different types of companies over the past year and a half. You have some that have like hibernated and recoiled. And then others that have leaned in, tried new things and invested and built new stuff. And I and we're going to see that on the tech front. I think we'll see it on the operator front because once the spigot comes back on, I mean, I know it's kind of it was never really turned off or turned off very briefly. I mean, but for a lot of the water sports, you know, segment, but I think for other sectors where especially for those that are really dependent on international uh, travel. But once that spigot gets turned back on, like I think there's, for example, there are certain countries that are now allowing some international travel, like like Iceland, for example, it's going to be really tough, you know, or Gibraltar, <laughs> it's going to be, you know, because we're going to try to go wherever we can. And those companies that are ready for it and ready to scale up, like, because that's also, it's a, it's a big problem. And been lots of media reports about this, this combination of, um, uh, you know, the continued extended unemployment benefits and just some of the personal challenges people have. I mean, the hiring has become, you know, a real a real challenge. So we're going to have a supply crunch, you know, initially as the industry comes back. We're, we're feeling, I mean, I think there's probably a lot of evidence that suggests that what we've been, what our industry has been experienced when things do open back up everyone's going to end up experiencing supply chain, employment issues, like everything. If anybody's listening to this from some other industry and paying attention right now, like go back and listen to the last couple months of our shows because you're going to experience this stuff. It's a great problem to have. Don't get me wrong. When you, when everybody's beating down your door and, and wanting to come, but you have to, you have to staff for this. You need, I mean, anything right now, this, a supply chain on everything, especially I can only relate it to my own industry, like for boats, jet skis, engines, like you, spare parts you can't get it and so i'm assuming that's probably the case for a lot of different industries so i i think i think everyone is probably going to experience this whatever our 2021 problems were you know and, and i'm sure that these companies that have that have been able to lean into it are probably like please yes just i'm ready to experience the pain of not being able to handle the influx yeah. of of people but it will like it i 100 percent firmly believe barring any of your local municipalities or government interventions or stuff like that like once your your uh country or city or state opens up and starts letting people in there's thousands of people that want to come visit you that is 
It doesn't matter where you're at. Douglas, we we had one question by um, one of the members of our Facebook group. Actually, Chris Woodruff, who I believe is a a, a rival community member. I think you've attended some of the yeah, events. He's, he, yeah, he's attended before. Yeah, he's yeah. great. Chris, Chris, was, Chris was on our show. He's an avid listener. And he asked a question here. He says, can you ask why they don't have more water sports speakers or attendees? And what he meant, why they, he meant a rival. Yeah, I, I, I think it's, uh, that's a great great question i wish i had an answer for that maybe you guys have have an answer i do have an i do i will say uh for phoenix was canceled bruce had an idea we were spinning around to create a water sports forum Hmm. and uh it was going to be happening i think believe the first day of the event have a water sports forum and i was kind of tasked to help drive (laughs) drive some folks to this forum and i was really excited about it and obviously every day i'm watching the news and seeing i'm like i don't i don't think it's going to happen but i felt like that was uh that was really exciting for me like i I feel like uh i hope that going in orlando we have that conversation again and try to put something together but uh i i do see arrival making more uh, room for our segment i I mean we had the workshop on some of the virtual events definitely been a lot more talk about water sports i've seen a lot of more water sport attendees so i've seen it so yeah i mean it's already happening chris yeah i'll just say too we're planning to do a water sports uh forum at orlando in this october uh, and actually, I, I plan on roping the two of you in to really making that, uh, uh, really working with you guys because we want to, I mean, I think a huge focus for us, like at all of our events, all of our content is, you know, impacting, you know, operators day to day business. I mean, ultimately, like our goal is we want every attendee to come away from the event with, okay, what are what are three things I can take away and implement in my business tomorrow that it's going to either grow, it's going to help me innovate, it's going to make something a little bit easier. We want clear, actionable, meaningful takeaways for all of our attendees. And so I'm definitely going to um, harass you guys to, you know, to really help us design, you know, an awesome program. We're going to need security and start it really early in the morning because anything <laughs> past noon, every water sport guy will be drunk. Just, <laughs> not guys, me. I, I quit drinking. I'm not, I'm not going to be drunk, but I am. Maybe I can do security. I, I mean, I know I can do like a, whatever you guys need, but yeah, we got to do it early in the morning and we got to make sure you're drunk. But I will, t- I will tell you this. I wanted to circle back to something and it's, it's really funny that when we talk about these guys that like want to have a lifestyle business and I wanted like, it's really funny because me and Greg always say like walking tour people, we always differentiate ourselves like we always say like the arrival crowd and the, you know, there's like everyone at the arrival crowd in, in, in our mind, sometimes it just, I think it's like a catch all. They're walking tour people, you know, they're doing walking tours and water sport people. It's like, you have this guy that's doing a walking tour and he's just like so dialed in. He's just like, he wants to know, you know, every, how you like, you know, how you optimize your, your technical SEO. And it's like, man, like, where is this passion from our sector? Like these guys, and again, I'm just like, I'm just wondering if they're just like drunk. They're like, I'm just doing a <laughs> I'll just go out and take them out of bow and show them a good time. I don't need any fancy shit. But when we talk about consolidation, I think that's that's a really important issue for those guys because as this industry and this sector, this part of the sector galvanizes, there are going to be guys that want to take over the world. And there are going to be guys that are going to say like, hey, man, I want to bring 
that's a great tour. I'm going to do that on my own. So it's more important for the smallest operators to, to be in on this, man. And those are the folks who are at arrival. I mean, I like I, those are the guys, the ones that want to take over the world, the ones that want to, you know, kind of build that next location that want to do franchising that want to, you know, really scale up their, you know, their digital or whatever it may be. Like those are the guys, those are the guys that are at arrival. I'm sure those are the folks that are listening to your podcast. And yeah, I got a quick, a funny arrival stat. So about 50% of the revenue generated on TripShock, those companies that represent that 50% go to the Arrival Conference. When we when we went the first time, I wanted to make sure that, you know, that we we had some of our partners there too because we wanted to make it make it into oh. Like a somewhat of a small networking event. So if all of our partners went, or my, a lot of them, then I, then I don't have to schedule twenty meetings with them in their own state. So they're all together. Boom, they all. He, so Greg owes you money. Greg's gonna send you a check. <laughs> it doesn't surprise me though at all. Like I I would bet. Like look, there's the eighty twenty rule in this industry, and like if you ask any you ask any OTA uh, in this space, they're going to tell you that, you know, they're 20% or probably a lot less, you know, 10% of their products, 10% of their operators are going to account for 80, 90% of their, of their sales. And just like in, it's going to be the same in any market. And generally speaking, yeah, those are the ones who are, I mean, those are the ones who are going to conferences. Those are the ones who are, you know, investing in, in new tech. Those are the ones who, these are the ones that are growing they understand the value of uh, working with OTAs, resellers. You know, there's just a lot of things, but a lot of our, our best partners go to these events and they just keep getting smarter and smarter. Uh, and, and that's why you, you be being part of this community. Uh, really, you're going to learn so much. Well, I want to I want to I want to derail us because it's my favorite thing to do. <laughs> you mentioned something in the email and it struck me as a little anti-arrival message because you guys seem like you're all about diversity. But you mentioned there was two words stuck together. Possibly couldn't be any more whiter of a two words put together I've ever heard in my life, which was catamaran conga. <laughs> Most white guy thing I've ever heard of in my life. <laughs> what is the catamaran conga? <laughs> it took him like a day. it was like going over your head. You look like shell shocked there. Like, wait a minute, what? What? Well, I don't, okay, well, I don't get like the the non diversity p. Okay, I'm, I'm, not sure. <laughs> I'm just saying so, Tanga is very like a white person kind of thing. Like that's all I'm saying. <laughs> oh, it is. I, okay, I didn't. I didn't know that. I that's coming from like a one of those deep recesses of Kevin's mind that we can. <laughs> we can well, it, 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 it drives up like the 80s, like, dun, 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 dun. Well, <laughs> exactly. Well, so here's here's what it is, actually. So, you know, this is this is one of these crazy ideas that I had at the very beginning of Arrival at the very first conference where, like, I always I didn't want this just to be like another conference. Like, it's not just, OK, here's your general session. Here are your breakouts. And then here's the typical coffee break. And here's, you know, like I didn't want that because this industry is different. Like I was telling you guys, right, I, earlier, like this is not, we're not a bunch of bankers, right? We're not a bunch of, you know, marketing directors, you know, we're not going to like a, you know, I, I'm just going to make fun of a hotel conference. I, I know a lot of folks in the hotel industry, but we're, this is not some like hotel marketing conference or, 
you know, they have like there's a whole conference for hotel revenue managers, right? Like it's just that's not or this is not the plumbers conference, right? Like this is, you know, this is a conference for people who are involved in what we call the best part of travel. Like we are tours, activities and attractions. This is why people travel. It's what inspires the trip in the first place. It's what we look forward to. It's what we remember. It's the amazing experiences we have in destination. And the people who are in this in this industry, they're focused on creating this stuff and making it possible. And so I wanted to create a conference that would recreate some of that. So I didn't just want to have the typical like coffee break with, you know, the shitty cookies and granola bars and, you know, the crappy coffee coming from the big things. Like I wanted to do something different. So I had this one idea and I remember this from, so when I've done, so we're, taking family on vacations and before and like, you you know, you do the the dolphin, you know, swim with the dolphins or with the stingrays or whatever. We all pile onto the catamaran and everybody's a bit nervous or whatever. And no one knows each other. And you take the catamaran 30 minutes to the bay and then you get in the water and you, you know, you do your snorkeling or your stingrays or whatever it is. And you have your, you have your time in the water and then everyone gets back in. And that's when they, you know, that's when the guides on the catamaran, then they, you know, that's when they pull out the the French bread and, you know, the cheese whiz or the cheese cubes and the pretty cheap beer and wine. And they put on the the music and, you know, every, they make sure everyone has a couple of glasses of wine. And then they start, you know, they start doing a conga line in the catamaran while you're going back to, you know, to your port or to your dock. Right. And so I just had this idea, like instead of a boring conference coffee break, let's do let's get a DJ in there for the afternoon coffee break. Let's serve cheap champagne with crappy bread and cheese cubes. And like, let's, you luau? know, like, do we get luau's? <laughs> you can do that. <laughs> I mean, I'm sorry, this conjured like in my mind. Like, that's that's yeah. my, I wanted to recreate a bit of our industry at the conference. That, that, that was- reminds me of like, like fantasy. Oh, what was, oh, the, the love boat. Remember the love boat, the TV show? Absolutely. Yeah. Yeah, man. They definitely did like the Congo with the Luau, man. You got to understand, Doug. Douglas, I'm. Do you prefer Douglas or Doug? I, I go by Douglas, but my mom calls me Doug. I'm not gonna bite your head off. You... Hey, I feel like we've gained, gotten real close in the last hour and three minutes. Like I'm as close to you as your mom, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> but I'm so you gotta understand, brother. I'm from like the the deepest recesses of Detroit, like Motor City. Like I wasn't born and raised in in Florida in any way. So only on TV shows like The Love Boat did I ever in real life, or I've never seen a real conga in real life. So. I just literally thought that only happened in the 80s on the love boat. And when you said that, I was like, man, this is like the whitest okay, well, I don't know. <laughs> I don't, I don't know. What is that? You know, what's that one song they play where everyone like they line up behind each other with the hands on the hips after when everyone's a bit tipsy and they start, you know, isn't that a conga line or is that something <laughs> no, else? No, it's a conga line. I don't know if there's it's like a line. I love, love it though, man. I'm like, I, look how red, like, like veins are popping out of my head. I'm so excited for it, man. I'm going to be uh, there. We can have a conga line with people of all races, religions. <laughs> Gender, you know, gender identities, whatever you want. Those are, it's all, you can have Republicans, Democrats, whatever, it's all together in the arrival. Conga line. No, it's, it's good, man. No, everybody's, I'm sure everybody's welcome to the, to the conga line, man. I'm going to share that with my friends back in Detroit. They're going to be like, what are you doing, man? I'm like, I don't fucking conga line, dude. It's way better than Detroit. Got yeah. me there. So Douglas, we're, we're coming to, about to the end, but you know what? You play this little word game with 
people you interview a lot. You know, when you say like like Coke or Pepsi and you got to choose one or the other. So yeah. Kevin and I okay. are going to turn it on to you this time. Oh, okay. Mm. That, that sounds like fun. Okay. <laughs> However, I just, I just want to warn you as the the originator of the game, <laughs> I also, I, I know how to play it. So. All right. Here we go. Okay. I'm ready. First one. Kayak or paddleboard? Uh, definitely kayak. Tequila or whiskey? Uh, well, definitely whiskey. I like Irish whiskey or Scotch. Actually, I prefer. Can I can I select Irish whiskey in particular? Sure can. Yeah. Okay. Okay. Next question: twenty twenty two or twenty twenty three? Why not twenty twenty one? Hey, answer. Beaches or mountains? Beaches or mountains? Uh, I'm just glad there's choice. And multiple seasons. <laughs> so I can get I can get them both in. Commissions or booking fees? That's uh, not my problem. It's OTA shit. Listen, he can't <laughs> help himself. That's somebody, that's somebody else's problem. I'm, but I'm happy to opine on it. But that's somebody else's problem, not mine. Douglas, like direct marketing. The <laughs> <laughs> loot. North or south? North or south? What do you mean? North or south? North or south, however you want it to uh, interpret it. North or south? North or south? I don't, I don't, I mean, I don't know. North or south? What sounds better to know. you? Uh, south, south. Elon Musk or Steve Jobs? Steve Jobs, I know it. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, I, uh, I don't, you know, I, some, yeah. Uh, um, it's a tough one. Uh, yeah, that is a tough one. That is a tough one. I think, uh, yeah, they they're both they're both pretty inspiring. Uh, so is Jeff Bezos too. I mean, I think he's they're all really inspiring to me. Can I can I jump in on that one? Because I didn't have any pre ones, but that's really funny. Because I was going to I, that came off the top of my head. Steve Jobs or Elon Musk. So let's put it like this: Apple or Android. Oh, well, that's easy. Uh, Apple. I knew it. That's why I said. That's why I was like, Steve Jobs. Okay. All right. Next one. Gangsta rap or conga music? <laughs> <laughs> you seem like a gangsta uh, rap guy. Uh, well, I, well I'm, I'm, I am actually a pretty big hip hop fan. So can I, can I split the difference and say hip hop? Absolutely. Who's your favorite rapper? Oh, man. There's, there's so many. Um, uh, I really... Uh, I really like Juice World, and I was so devastated when he when he died. I've just, I mean, I don't know how somebody at the age of twenty one can have the kind of experience and create music of such depth. And I mean, and he just, yeah. I mean, I, Juice World has just blown me away. Uh, YBN Corday is amazing. If you guys have ever heard, he's got this. Um, what's the name of his album? He's just one of the most like thoughtful. I mean, yeah, YBN Corday is amazing. Yeah, there's a lot of, you know, Biggie. Um, yeah, yeah, all, yeah. Lot, I just, I know I'm late on this, but I just discovered Joey Badass. And because he did a movie, he just did a movie which was really good. And it was called um, Two Distant Strangers, which is a line, which is actually a line. And it's a short. It's like a 35-minute short. 
Um, and it, it, it like, I'm not going to go into the plot, but it deals like with the, the police brutality issue. But um, yes, Two Distant Strangers, which was, which is a, um, it's a I line from that. a Tupac. Yeah. Did you oh, say it was great, wasn't yes. it? So yeah. I, I was like, Joey Badass, I thought, and, and I've heard the name before. And then I thought it was, you know, because Two Distant Strangers is a line from uh, Changes, which is the Tupac song. So it was like an homage to Tupac, which I was like, oh, it's dope. So I want to listen to Joey Badass. And I've just been like the last, whatever it's been like week, I've just been listening to his entire catalog. If you haven't had an opportunity, like he's like a throwback to the East Coast, like like Wu-Tang, like old Jay-Z, old Kanye West. Like he, oh. man, he is, he is amazing. Like, and every single song from every album is just like, it, you just, it's amazing, man. So I am actually shocked awesome. that you are a, a fan of, of hip hop, man. You know, you, I thought for sure maybe like metal. Well, I can tell you how this came about though. I was on a trip with, we were, it was a ski trip. And my, at the time, my 14 year old, he hijacked the our. We were driving in a rental car, and he tried, he hijacked the car's Bluetooth with his uh, with his phone, and he started playing. He started playing Juice World. Yeah. And he and he chose a particular song with you know with all of the colorful language, and I've got my wife and me and our two kids. So you got like, oh, oh did a conga line to it. <laughs> <laughs> Douglas, I got I got five five more. Holy shit. Five Greg, more. Right, really here here we go. go. Florida or Georgia? Florida or Georgia? Oh, this is this is tough, man. Um, well, uh, there's definitely a lot more exciting water sports in Florida, so I have to say Florida. All right. Now, this is Kevin's going to like this one. It's a small world or the Mexican boat ride? Um, I'm going to go for the, uh, swimming with the dolphins on the catamaran followed by the drunken conga. <laughs> <laughs> All right. I, I'm God, gonna, I I'm, love it. I'm going to skip the, other, the next one here, but because I love these next two, Donald Trump or Ron DeSantis. <laughs> um, I'm going to go for the prime minister of New Zealand. Her name is escaping me at the moment. Oh, you you, you took that from the Viator guy. Yeah, I know. <laughs> You've got a public image, Greg. You know, <laughs> listen, man, you can't get, you can't, not, can't put Douglas on the spot. I know. I'm not getting into Florida politics. Okay. You guys, the, the next one. Okay. This might, this next one is somewhat Florida politics, but we'll see. Water sports or walking tours. Oh, Told you. <laughs> <laughs> no, I'm, I'm. Yeah, no, I'm. I. Uh, I. I would like to. I would like to do a. Uh, uh, I. I think I'll. I'll do a. You know, a walking tour in the morning and a water-based activity in the afternoon. That would be my perfect day. No, man, just go to Disney World, dude. It's so much funner <laughs> than both of those things. Doing a walking tour of Disney World and then you go to their water park. Boom. Um, Look, I'm I'm sorry, but I I don't I can say this that I so we've you know with two kids we've done Disney and I I've done Disney with two little kids you know at you, you know in the middle of July when it's like 107 degrees I have I have paid my dues and and served my time. <laughs> We love it. We, we we bring up we like we should somehow get Disney World to sponsor this show because me and both me and Greg both love it. We love their marketing. 
We love the whole experience. I love everything there is about Disney World. And I grew up like I was anti everything Disney when I was in my 20s, you know, and playing in bands and stuff, punk rock, like ah, anti-corporate. Like now I'm just like, now I get the magic. I understand. I love it. Give me a wristband. (laughs) Track my movements. It is. They are. They are such an amazing company. I mean, what the the kind of brand connection that they, you know, that they create is. I mean, it, it is. I mean, it's it's one of those brands that everybody immediately conjures up this image. It's like, it's it's amazing. It's powerful. I mean, look, I, I'm like, it's like anything they do is like a super success. I mean, Disney cruises. We've been on a bunch of Disney cruises. Kids love them. They're amazing. Disney Plus. I mean, yeah, they're just yeah, it's amazing. They're an amazing park. Yeah. So, Douglas, how can our listeners learn more about you or Rival? Well, they better listen to this podcast. <laughs> they will. We've no, got look, almost yeah, 40 yeah. downloads a day, not to brag or I, nothing. <laughs> <laughs> I go to arrival.travel um, and sign up for our newsletter. And, and also just like reach out to me. It's Douglas at Arrival. It's Arrival with one R because, you know, we're still a startup and we didn't pony up for, you know, the full URL. So it's arrival.travel. Um, and it's... Uh, and just drop me a note or anytime. Like I and I always I would love to hear ideas and topics people would want to hear from, but we're look, the whole event where it's all focused on I don't mean to go into a pitch, but um and so Kevin, you can cut me off or edit this out, but pitch, it's all man, like go. But the event's all about like we're just laser focused on help helping operators grow their business, build connections, you know, create community, find, you know, like-minded. Uh, people in in this industry, we definitely, you know, we lean in on tech and distribution and innovation and experience design, and we do a lot of our own custom research to help the industry with all of this stuff. So, I mean, I, you know, I guarantee it won't be, um, it won't, it will be time well spent. Um, but yeah, we love we love what you do, and and we're ha- and we really appreciate you taking the time to come and, and talk with us. And um, yeah, I really hope that the water sports sector shows up in droves this year. We'll you know we, we'll definitely be pitching it. We think it's a great event. You know, I I know me and Greg when we when we left Orlando the last time, we were just like, oh my god, this is so cool. Like, why isn't it? And it I love it. It just it does make sense, man. We should, I, I we want to go to like a plumbing conference and see what all the rage is about. I just don't. Get, but yeah, no, we appreciate you taking your time and coming out and talking to us. And and I, I definitely think there'll be some folks, uh, definitely some be some folks in the water sport industry, at least to come get drunk, you know, and be around. <laughs> Big that cash. We have, we, we have lots of alcohol, but that's that. <laughs> Thank you guys for having me on and, and just, you know, for and for coming to the conference and being an advocate for it means a lot. I mean, this has been for me and for the whole team, uh, you know, a, a labor of love, something that we started, you know, with you know, with our own money and a lot of, a lot of long nights and, and weekends. And just like, you know, I think you guys and, and a lot of your listeners building their own business. So really appreciate it. So thank you so much. We appreciate it. Much Douglas. love. And if you want to continue the conversation, Douglas is in our, our Facebook group. So you can tag him if you have any additional questions for him. And yeah, continue to use that platform to share more ideas and ask questions. It's been very active recently. We love it. And that's it. That's a wrap. Thanks for listening. And as always, keep it awkward. You've been listening to the Awkward Water Sport Guys podcast. If you're in the water sport industry, this is the podcast that brings the business perspective to parasailing, jet and ski boat rentals, sailing, snorkeling, 
and everything else. We hope you've gotten some useful and practical information from this show. Be sure to sign up to our email list at watersportpodcast.com and subscribe in your favorite podcast app. We'll see you next time, and thanks for listening. Thanks again for listening, and we hope you enjoyed this episode. If you haven't done so already, please take a moment to subscribe and leave us a review on your favorite podcasting platform. And if you have further thoughts, questions, or comments about this episode, head to our Facebook group, Watersport and Boat Tour Operators, to continue the conversation. See you next time.